0: Hey everybody, how's it going? I hope you're all doing well out there.
1: Good to have you back, man. Um, so, My pleasure. you're moving away, moving away from without having the Bitcoin debate. Uh, you wanted to give a few examples of DeFi, and then if you can also give an overview again, because we had a lot of people join in the last, um, you know, twenty thirty minutes. After we define DeFi 1.0 versus 2.0 versus what everyone's talking about, which is DeFi 3.0, if you can also define that, that would be great.
0: I think you guys are wasting a lot of time naming things instead of understanding the things. It's, you're eating a lot of overhead to just assign things you're going to argue about later. So cryptocurrency was invented to remove counterparty risk. You know, Satoshi in the white paper, or rather in the Genesis block, quotes that the banks are bailing, being bailed out by the governments again. And so you have socialized losses but privatized gains. And so Bitcoin's birth was to get rid of the counterparty risk that is somebody just printing money forever, making yours worth nothing. And so these are the world's most expensive, slowest databases. They're garbage. They have no throughput. They're buggy. You have to check to see whether your transaction got orphaned off or forked off or didn't get put through because a block was full or, you know, it, there's all types of horror. Like, So we put up with that horror because we have to in order to have censorship resistance. And so the only thing any blockchain is useful for is censorship resistance, period. If your project doesn't need censorship resistance, go run it on AWS like everyone else does. Amazon is 50% of all the commerce in the United States and the internet, and they don't use blockchain at all. They'll sell it to you, but they don't use it and they don't need it and they don't want it because they don't have censorship problems. So, you know, that, that idea, that concept basically just eliminates, like, the majority of projects in crypto, right? They're just, like, they're, they're just basically virtual gambling. They're virtual roulette wheels, but instead of having numbers on the roulette wheel, you have ticker symbols for coins. So, <clears throat> if it is the case that the only thing that blockchains are good for is censorship resistance, and that they only exist for one useful purpose, which is to remove counterparty risk, then I will list you some places where they successfully perform that function in ways that we've never seen before. So let's take uh, Coinbase. Coinbase got sued by the uh, government because some of its employees were front running listings. They knew the listings were gonna occur, they bought up the tokens, then the listings would happen and then they'd dump the tokens and make a lot of money. Well, uh, you don't have that problem on Uniswap because there's no central Uniswap database of what's gonna be listed next. And so there's no insiders that get to front run that information. There's also no team of people at Uniswap that decides whether you get to be listed or not. And I can assure you, there's a team of lawyers that sit at Coinbase to decide whether you get to get listed or not. And that is the opposite of why cryptocurrency was invented because that is a middleman. That is someone's D who you have to suck In order to participate in the market and markets work better when there's less friction less overhead less middlemen less counterparty risk and so what DeFi and cryptocurrency did was gave people the miracle of being able to control their own keys control their own finance never have to beg someone else for your money and they threw it right in the garbage they gave their keys to other people and then they become one of the headlines and so if you go on my twitter and you go back years ago you know three four years ago you're gonna see, see me saying, you don't have to be one of the headlines. Stop giving other people your coins. Stop giving your money to other people to say they're gonna give you yield. You're gonna be one of these headlines when they get exploited or run away with all the money. And but people don't listen. And so they lose all their money. So let me give you some examples of things which do not have admin keys, do not have counterparty risk. Uh, they do have smart contract risk. So you need to make sure that the smart contract operates well, is well audited. And that's the best you can do as far as software goes. You know, one of the funny things I hear in cryptocurrencies, is people say, and it's a nice soundbite, I use it myself, what do you trust more, men or math? And that one sounds better than, like, what do you trust more, men or code? Because anyone that's ever actually done software development it's like, ah, I don't know about that code. A little harder to trust. <laughs> Math's a little bit easier to trust. Uh, code is a lot harder to trust, which is why you see so many people with hacked and destroyed projects. So here's some specific instances of miraculous, glorious, decentralized finance really killing it in the real world you may have heard of uniswap i made it popular on my back i promoted uniswap more than their founder did so hayden adams versus me i did a lot more to promote uniswap than he did and my project hex which is the world's first time deposit another DeFi thing which also has no admin keys and has had flawless operation for a thousand days it made uniswap popular and was a majority of volume and um liquidity on that platform for a month or two in the very beginning so
1: but wouldn't you but should just quickly about uniswap wouldn't you be concerned you know it's decentralized there are no regulators so while there's insider trading on coinbase and other counterparty risk regulators you know do a better job than a decentralized protocol at avoiding no, scams. They most scams, no they don't no they don't most scams do launch on a dex
0: no but like oh. you, okay first of all <clears throat> okay The government sucks at everything that it does. If you look around your house right now, everyone listening, look around your house and point to things that you like and then see whether they were created by governments or companies. Traffic lights. Created by companies. They're created by companies every fucking time. They're
2: installed by... I mean, I, I agree that the government can go way out of bounds, but they do things like, you know, pave roads. I mean, the government doesn't create the asphalt, but somebody's got to approve. You, down. Yeah, so I, are I you, are you, honest are you that kidding I mean. right
0: now? Surely you're kidding. I said, look but, around but, your room and point to stuff that the government made. And you're like, you literally, you're like, no, I'm going to go outside to the road. Like, bro, what do you think before the U.S. got, like, you think they didn't have roads
2: before the government? Well, I have, a window. I have a window. I looked out of it. I'm sorry. I didn't understand the question. Okay. Is...
1: You no, know, but Richard, if you look at, but if you go to countries that have a, a government, you know, imperfect governments, <clears throat> they're obviously a much worse place to live than, than, you know, the, countries the, that have more powerful governments.
0: The, the stuff that you guys are saying is so unbelievably stupid, it's hurting me. And, and I'm going to prove to you how stupid what you're saying is. It's abysmally <laughs> stupid. Okay. okay your thesis, please. your thesis is that government good, private business bad. So let's extend that idea. No, no, no. Okay. I, you I, go no, to the I, mall I, and the only things allowed for sale are the shit the government over. says can sell It'll be allowed for sale. Are you crazy? That's a terrible idea. I mean, they tried Richard. that in communist Russia.
3: Richard, that's a straw man argument. The argument here by Peter, even though I think it could be conveyed by her, is that there are public goods which governments can fulfill. I'm a libertarian like you, and I do agree. What are you talking
0: about? No one's talking about public goods. They're trying that's to put the they, government in control of what you can buy on the internet. In this case, magical tokens. Look, that's their I, I thesis. When
3: Peter, look, when you asked your question about what is around you, it's produced by the government that you like. I think that's what Peter was answering. That's, that's a all.
2: clarification. It was a bit of a simplification on my part, but perhaps you can refine your question. I heard the question to be, look around. Let me, I,
0: I, you can I, I, I forgive me for asking what I thought was a rhetorical question. I will just make the statement myself. No one needs to answer. All the good stuff that you like in your life, the things that you put on your body, the cars that you drive, the food that you eat, the house that you stay in, was created by a company. All of it. Every good thing in your life, except for the streetlights, I guess he's in, for Halloween, dressing up like a, like a light post or something. Every single thing in your life that's good was created by a company. Period. And when you, when you, you say- allow the government to decide what people are allowed to buy or not, you'd completely destroy capitalism, 100%. And what you replace it with is called communism, literally. Like you guys are literally arguing for communism instead of Richard, the free market. Richard, Richard that's Mike, a...
1: Mike, tra- quickly, Tony, just quick, how, quick how, how, Richard, Hold Richard. How would did you get would you, from
0: me saying Uniswap is good and remove counterparty risk to now I have to defend capitalism? This doesn't <laughs> make any always, sense. Okay? Yeah, so this doesn't make question, any sense.
1: My question to you is, would you trust a company based in the U.S. or based in, let's say, r- no, no, no. some African guys, country or
0: Russian? You guys are screwing this up right now, okay? You asked me good examples of decentralized finance actually making a difference in the world. I told you Uniswap, and you started getting me into capitalism versus communism. Nope, I'm not falling for it. The question is, right, so what is go doing good now? DYDX I'm, I'm, lets you do margin trading now, okay? You can take on leverage now. And a decentralized exchange and if they decide to run away with the money you can go write your own front end try and get your money back out before the liquidation bot gets you that's still better than what you get with these centralized exchanges okay if you if you decide to jack people for their money you still have uh what do you call it it's tornado cash tether decided they weren't going to seize the funds from tornado cash usdc decided they weren't going to blacklist the funds from tornado cash you still have tornado cash i feel sorry for the hackers that hacked on the Bitcoin side, because they got caught for their basically zero knowledge proofs are superior to ring signatures. And so currently the state of the art in, in anonymity and privacy is still tornado cash, right? So tornado cash is awesome. Decentralized finance tool. Uniswap is an awesome decentralized finance tool. They both have no admin keys. They both have decentralized front ends and IPFS. They're both awesome as hell. I suggest everyone use them, except I'm not sure about tornado cash now, like, if, if it's on the sanctions list, you, you should be very careful about that. Um, and, and these things work awesome today. And, and not to show my own project, but my thing's been working perfect for 1,000 days and directly lets you mint yield, and is still up 250x versus Bitcoin, 70x versus Ethereum. I don't know what you want. And 1,000x so, versus the dollar.
1: So the point I was making about Uniswap, and let me know if you disagree, there are still imperfections, in, and I'm a supporter of DeFi. Um, just, I'm on, on the same side as you, but I'm trying to play devil's advocate. Isn't there flaws in DeFi that are still being worked on? As a concept it makes sense. But again, the point no. of Uniswap,
0: the scams being what you launched guys are on Uniswap. Talking about. What does that have to do with technology? People are people are performing scams with paper and pen and cars and electricity too. Like in, in in what planet do you start removing technologies from people because criminals use them? Criminals speak language too. Let's get rid of language. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Technology is good for humanity as long as the humans are by and large good. If the humans are by and large bad, then you can make the argument that technology is bad. But in fact, the majority of humans are good people trying to do good things. And therefore, technology helps all of those people. And when you try and start crippling the criminals by crippling the technology, you do much greater harm preemptively to all the people. Like, think, look at it this way. What's the, what's the Treasury's department like job? Like, wh- why are they censoring the North Korean people? Because they're trying to get them to stop scamming. Hey, Stop scamming North Koreans. Stop robbing people. Stop stop doing malware attacks or whatever you're doing to try and generate revenue. And so what did they do? They preemptively screwed everyone else. They did worse to everyone else than the North Koreans did. They caused more harm than the North Koreans did by attacking a tool that every honest business needs to actually use. Every honest business needs to hide the prices it pays its suppliers from its customers. It needs to hide the values it pays its employees from its other employees. It needs to hide its customer list. You cannot do any of those things without mixing, period. Fucking period. Sorry for cursing. So So, so so you need mixing. You need mixing for capitalism. You need um, Uniswap for capitalism. You need people to be able to list things for sale with no counterparty risk. With no middlemen. You don't have to beg Coinbase to list you. you like, it's, it's such amazing innovation. is working so well. I don't know how it's not obvious. Like, th- this is, I, I would say that Uniswap might be a more important invention than Bitcoin. Literally. Because I one just you, attempted you do to do currency. I yeah, Uniswap's amazing.
4: I love it. It's amazing. I love you, That's a good example, actually. Monero is another one
0: well okay okay (laughs) that's a
4: whole that's a whole other draw.
0: no it's Um, important look it's important if more people accepted monero then it would be a great innovation because privacy is a human right it's a human right period but people don't treat it like such it's disgusting so my last question to you richard
1: just to end the DeFi segment because you started about an hour and a half ago
0: okay Um, look ready let me give you some more stable coins necessary for business we have them Agreed. in DeFi. DAI works. It's DeFi. Now, I wish it wasn't backed by so much USDC, but hey, you know, it works, right? You want to get de-risked? You don't have to beg Coinbase to let you send your coins to turn them into to, to their version of a stable coin, which is their counterparty risk USDC thing they show on your screen that you don't know what's actually backed by at all. But you do know that USDC is backed by dollars because they, they are audited. So... We have stable DeFi stable coins, time deposit, hex, uh, Uniswap, trading, DYDX, margin. And it's just like it does all the things you want. Like the vast majority of commerce, the vast majority of finance is not currency. There's only 5 trillion in printed currency, there's 7 trillion in time deposits, and there's buttloads more trillion in derivatives. And like DeFi is amazing and it works great now. And it's been working great for a couple of years now, and I don't know how anyone can say anything against it. Look at the size of the order books and the thickness of the order books. I mean, you could dump $100 million of Ethereum and, and eat like 1% slippage. Actually, I'll give you a number for that uh, since, since I'm bragging about it. I'll give you a number for how much slippage you get on a 100 million Ethereum dump. <clears throat> ETA, 40 seconds.
1: And, and while you're doing that, Richard, to end it with this question, where do you see DeFi over the next, uh, in, let's say, 24 months? or even 12 months. How do you Well, see it just it? keeps getting better. How do you like every, it? Well, everything and do, do you see do you see the traditional guys start embracing oh, and, further? Oh, and by or the
0: way, you know it? earlier everyone was talking about Celsius paying off their their Aave loans. That's just more DeFi. So like you could have you could have got yield on your crypto exactly. by sticking in Aave and it kept kept working fine or you could have given it to to the fake DeFi, the CeFi scum who I have faced down on live stream and then like told him to his face, you know, you're the opposite of why crypto is invented. And guess what? One of them went bankrupt and one of them is doing fine. It's so obvious. Obvious is working fine. Hex is working fine. Compound's working fine. DAI is working fine. A ton of stable coins are working fine. Uniswap's working fine. Everything's working awesome. The only thing that sucks is that people launch scams, which they do everywhere. There's no shortage of scams across legacy finance and crippling the technology won't solve that. Uh, you know, like what else? What more do you want? It does all the things. DeFi is amazing.
1: Peter, I I know you got your hand up, so we'll wrap it up, Peter. I'll give you the By by the way,
0: like my estimate on the 100 million dump was uh, was wildly wrong. I don't know. (laughs) Either that or it's just not dealing. I mean, so like if you dumped a million, oh, I know why. I'm sorry. I I did it backwards. Hold on. It's not, it's probably not wildly wrong at all. One hundred million you would you would eat a slippage of 2.38%. I'm amazing Peter, by I the eat. way. What an amazing human I am. You could dump 100 billion dollars of ethereum and only get 2.38% slippage. Go try that in any other market bro. You know what? Go buy Coinbase stock. Go buy ticker symbol COIN and let me know how much slippage you get when you try and dump 100 million of it.
2: LOL. Peter, I'll give you the mic to wrap it up. Thanks, Mario. Um, You know, I mostly agree, Richard. Traffic lights aside, I think we're simpatico on almost everything here. Uniswap is a massive innovation and it enables self-custody. And people need to learn that shouting about the primacy of centralized exchanges is not going to help anybody because then it's just a whole race to get approval from uh, our overlords. So the idea of self-custody and minimally viable communities is not going away. And yeah, there's going to be shakeouts where the scam artists and the pump and dumps, like they come and they go, but eventually they'll find it harder and harder and harder to extract that capital because people will have a language where they can understand these things better and recognize a scam coming from a mile away rather than just FOMOing in. So DeFi is here to stay, and uh, we ain't going nowhere. And, and the other um, thing
0: people gotta understand is like Uniswap token has nothing to do with the Uniswap thing. Uniswap has functioned perfectly fine without its duct taped on token because people decide to speculate on the duct taped on thing. It, it has no effect on the underlying thing. Uniswap one worked awesome. Uniswap V two works awesome. Uniswap V three works awesome, and and all these duct taped on tokens, you don't need to participate in them. They're not, they're not like these things. So the reason I say this is because you're talking about like minimum viable community. You don't need a minimum viable community for Uniswap. As long as there's one LP that put a little bit of money, and anyone wants to trade against it, that's it. That's all you need. Two humans or, or two entities, an LP, and anyone that wants to trade. No minimum viable community needed, you know, like, I don't want people to confuse DeFi with the duct taped on tokens. There are very few tokens that actually have any relationship to the actual protocol. So for instance, like I forked Uniswap because I forked Ethereum, and our fork of Uniswap, when it burns the coins, you know, that actually makes a, an economic difference in the protocol. A lot of these, like Uniswap, you buy, you sell, doesn't affect the Uniswap token. It's totally tangential. It has nothing to do with it.
1: That's a good point. And, and then the last question I have for you, Richard, is... Um... Uh, the cascading liquid, actually, the the, the the examples you gave with Celsius having to pay off their Aave their loans, can you explain to the audience how that means before we start with the confessions um, segment? How that, you know, it technically means DeFi works and CFi doesn't work. Um, and I you made that statement. It's a statement that many people don't understand. Can you explain to them sure. why it yeah,
0: so, works? So I'm, I'm pretty much an expert at this. So you yeah, asked the right guy. In normal systems that have leverage, you have a very fast frequency at which you can check whether someone's collateral is still large enough to cover their position. And if their position moves against them, the collateral gets sold and it makes the lender whole. So you, you borrow uh, $100 to buy Bitcoin or l- let's say Ethereum. You borrow $100 to buy Ethereum. So now you've, you owe $100 and you, and you use your $100 to buy your Ethereum. But then the price of Ethereum goes down. And and now, like if your collateral sitting in Ethereum, now you've got less money. So so, in DeFi, what you do to make up for the the very high latency is you make people over provision. So like so like you can go 100x leverage on a lot of uh, centralized exchanges, but you can only go like maybe three x leverage in a decentralized exchange. Why? Because it takes so long for the system to detect that you now need to be liquidated, and it takes so long for someone to liquidate you that they need so much extra time for those things to occur so that you don't create bad debt. Uh, so de- decentralized finance has extremely lower margin and extremely higher latency, but extremely more censorship resistant and less counterparty risk. So in Ave, what you do is if you, if you want to like borrow, you need to give them more than you're borrowing. But on a centralized platform, they'll let you borrow greatly in, in excess of what you've deposited. So on a normal centralized platform, you could enter in one unit of a thing and borrow three to a hundred units of the thing. But in a decentralized platform, you need to enter like 1.5 X units of the thing to borrow one unit of the thing. So you have to over collateralize. And so when, when, uh, when Celsius was attempting to use these protocols to generate yield, they would over collateralize. But then when their positions would move against them, now they'd need to keep putting in more collateral or they get liquidated. And if you get liquidated, you, you not only lose the money you have, but you also lose the premium that, the, that exists to incentivize people to liquidate you. So it's like uh, when, when you liquidate someone, you take their position over. And so you need to buy their position at the discount to be happy to do that. Otherwise, no one would ever get liquidated. So ba- basically, liquidation is just like you owe more money than you have, so we have to sell what you have to try and at least make the people whole that you owe. And so that's what's happening to Celsius now because they weren't over collateralized. They were under collateralized. Now they have debts they can't pay off, even if they sell everything they own, which is why they're in bankruptcy. But uh, their loans in Ave didn't go bankrupt because if they had attempted to enter a state in which they didn't have enough collateral, then the liquidators would have went and, and liquidated their underlying collateral and made everybody whole. So it's a safer system. And in, in the legacy system, you get over leveraged very easily but in DeFi, it's extremely hard to get over leveraged because you have—they only let you leverage up so little. They don't even let you get one x leverage, like—or I mean, it depends on the platform, but I think you get the idea.
1: I think you've articulated it really well. Um, so I think everyone—I hope you got some some value from the discussion. Uh, you know, there wasn't much of a debate even before Richard joined. Uh, I think most speakers that came on were pro DeFi, and I think the last few months have proven that. Oh, with can, the, can I with mention one last thing.
0: One, me. last thing? one last thing. I invented this term called just-in-time security, and it's very important to understand. If the bad guys, whether they be governments that are evil, people that are evil, if, if people start to attack nodes or they start to attack developers or they start to attack projects, we're not stupid. We just route around the damage. Oh, you guys are going to start you know, kicking door down for this, that, or another? Okay, well, we're just going to have more doors, and they're going to be in different places. And so just like the government for a long time didn't like file sharing, eventually they give up I'm like, all right, file sharing is there, whatever. That's how it is. And I, and I look at crypto the same way. Like we, we are, it's so insane to me that we're solving the problems that legacy finance has. It's on chain. It's obvious. It's immutable. The history can't be deleted. You know, you can see who's doing what and when and it's 24 hours a day and it's everywhere. It's global. And it's like the minimum middleman. It's like, We solve so many things. Any government worth their salt, any government that was intelligent will be on our side helping us get these things done because we really are making the world a better place. You know, like it, crypto is here to stay. And the things that we're doing are one of the few things in the world that's actually making the world better. Rockets that land themselves, electric cars, crypto. I can't think of anything else that's actually getting better.
1: but we've seen the traditional guys agree with that theme as well. Like, we're not seeing that same resistance we saw back in 2017, 2018 when it comes to applications like DeFi. You know, back in 2017, 2018, it was more, um, you know, hating on crypto in general, hating on blockchain, hating on Bitcoin, Ethereum. But now we're seeing a lot of the big guys embrace the concept of DeFi. Not the right way and trying to, you know, take a piece out of it and do it their way. But you're not seeing that same level of resistance as we saw a few years ago.
0: And why should you? Because... DeFi literally solves the Celsius problem. DeFi literally solves the Coinbase front-running problem. DeFi literally solves the Mt. Gox problem. Like, DeFi solves so many things. It's amazing.
1: I agree. I think it's well-articulated, man. Thanks a lot for jumping on. I think the community loves it. Discord goes crazy every time you jump on. And, you know, if you diamond hand the wrong project, thinking it's the right project, you get fucked. Um, uh, when the market corrects 95, 99%, but people that made most of their money, including Bitcoin, you know, Richard in the early days, diamond-handed, correct me if I'm wrong, Richard, you diamond-handed Bitcoin in the early days um, and, you know, got pretty sexy returns there. So would love your take, since you're on the show, Richard, before we continue with the next confession, what's your advice to anyone, you know, looking at, should you look at selling when things are frothy or just diamond-hand, find the right project and forget about timing the market?
0: I think... I think the most successful tactic for profiting and speculation is to to hold because timing is extremely hard. I mean I called the top on a day. Almost no one can do that and I did it two cycles. And it and it's like nearly miraculous. Like no one else can do it. So I it but, but how many people could have held from like earlier? Like look, you've got an asset, like like let's take Ethereum. In the COVID dip it went down to eighty eight, then it went to five thousand. Any idiot could have held for any period of time there, and we never went back to 88. Lowest we got over the last, like, two years is 880. So even a complete idiot that bought the bottom is up 10x, even if they sold the next bottom, right? Not, not that the
1: how do you know you're huddling or your diamond hand Product an
0: market Ethereum, fit. A- product market fit. So if you have something that resembles a game, people will tend to get bored of games. That's part of the reason that I'm not bullish on NFTs, you can, like, there's a bunch of reasons, but that's one of them is that, you know, things that are game-like, people will stop playing. But things that are more financial-like and and have a, a more boring sales pitch and aren't Rube Goldberg machines tend to have more longevity. So if you, if you want a, a, a couple technical ways to predict how much longevity a thing will have, you, there's something called the Lindy effect, which is, the longer something has been used, the longer it is likely to continue to be used. That's one way. Um, So something like that would tell you that Bitcoin is likely to be around for a very long time. The problem with that particular measurement is that it doesn't tell you at what price point. So you can still find cassette tapes if you want, but they're not a growth industry, nor are CDs, nor are records, nor nor are bards coming and playing in person for you. So the way that I like to know that what I've got is the right thing. Is product market fit? Are you on ramping new users? Is it a durable walled garden? Is there a first mover advantage? Is it a durable first, first mover advantage? Is How's the logo? How's the community? Are people getting tattoos of it? Is there something that locks them in for a very long time? So you know, in Hex, there's a guy that's got a tattoo of my name over my logo on his chest. I tried to follow him once on Twitter. He didn't like it. I had to follow him again. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, when you've got people tattooing their body and locked up for 15 years, average stake length in hex is seven years. These people are not going to defect. So so what happens is as soon as someone sells their Bitcoin, all they say is evil things about it. As soon as someone sells their bag of anything, they want to buy back lower or just not feel bad ever missing gains again. And they just savagely crap talk the thing. Elon Musk secretly bought Bitcoin, pumped it, said you could buy cars with it. Then he secretly dumped it quote testing the liquidity and then said oh this this is bad for the environment we're not going to let you use it for cars anymore and so he pumped bought it pumped it dumped it and then trash talked it and savaged it afterwards but he didn't even need to do that you're telling me the rocket scientist didn't know it used electricity i don't believe that at all the computer science major knows that it used electricity he's lying so you know, and look, I just bought one of his Model X plaids for like 150 grand. So I'm still willing to buy his cars, even though he's shady in crypto. So
1: uh, I've got, look, look, quick question. You said you'd, you're against NFTs. I want to give you three NFTs. Tell me if the utility makes sense or not. So one of them is Etihad is doing an NFT. Now I know you, you might say you don't need an NFT for this. You could just use a, a centralized uh, system. But would you, it, you know, doesn't harm to use an NFT for something like giving you access to like business class at a discount, which I mean, lounges. look, I,
0: this, so this particular thing, I am not a tax advisor and accountant. And so I'm weary of giving this type of advice, but if somehow you found a mechanism by which things you may normally be taxed or taxed in a, in a different way, then, you know, that's on you, Right the so i, got I three mean examples. imagine imagine a world where no longer you purchase anything you just buy the nft for it it's like hey you know what i was gonna buy this car and pay sales tax on it but uh instead i bought the car NFT and they just let me drive it all the time and there's no tax I, you know it's no. like
1: And i think it tax you know tax regulations will catch on but from a utility perspective you know i got three examples and funny enough they're all three sponsors but like you you might say you don't need a blockchain, you don't need to decentralize it, but like this one is a is a museum, it's a it's a real museum in the metaverse. Now, experiencing a museum without having to travel to a country, that's I know it's a metaverse. The art in that museum could represent an NFT, showing it's a digital representation of the real thing. Would that utility make sense for an NFT? That's my second example.
0: So so like when I'm on Pornhub, am I actually in a virtual museum? Because I mean, looks pretty uh, good in there. I like what I, I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, it just I, you're just renaming. Some, you you just basically you just have a website with pictures on it, but now you renamed it and it's now the metaverse. You're like, no, bro, it's it's a website with pictures on it. You're just renaming it. That's silly. So look, I mean, okay. look, you might make money with any of these businesses, but like, I, I think the idea of a web, like, you're just renaming a websites, a silly idea.
1: Fair point, uh, Charlie. I'll give you the mic back. Uh, the next confession man. Sorry, we digressed a bit. We we do that a lot when Richard. Johnson... Do we
0: do all three? I only heard two. Wasn't there three? Yeah, NFC we got ideas? yeah.
1: Uh, the third one, and I'll I'll give you that one, and then we'll go to to Charlie's uh, next confession because I know he has to jump off. The last one is a uh, is uh, I think that one you you I think last time you agreed I think it was you that agreed that it made sense. And this is one of my favourite. Um, people experiencing the metaverse, obviously you wear you know you wear a lot of beautiful clothes, beautiful brands to signal a certain identity, and you've talked about it as well. Wearing that same thing in the metaverse. Would you agree that makes sense? So, an original well, I mean, we've, deal we've already
0: seen we've already seen that successful with gun skins and Counter Strike. We've seen it successful with hats and Team Fortress I too. I agree. mean, we know that people will overpay to signify. I mean, I got a million dollars of Bulgar jewelry. So, like, you know, people people will do that. And if you can, if you can do it digitally, it's, there's actually less negative externalities. Although I think it reduces the durability of the walled garden because, like. You know, so, like, I've got a I've got a Jacob & Co. Casino watch. It's, like, 650K, and there's only 88 of them. And then they're like, ah, well, we're going to release a version that's black. Ah, we're going to a, release a version with this other little change. And then they, like, dilute the market by releasing these little special edition ones. Well, it's like, bro, that's coming out of my pocket. Like, every time you guys release another one of these things, you're competing with me if I ever want to sell it. And so, like, I, the thing that I worry about in these digital products is that, the thing that makes them have less negative externalities is also the thing that makes them so they don't have a good walled garden. Good point. You know, good point. Well, then get
1: branded, branded t-shirts, not that big of a, of a walled garden, you know, manufacturing t-shirts. Easier than a digital t-shirt, but still, it's a it's a. Well, you'd t-shirt. think
0: that, but, but I, I, I paid $900 for, you know, t-shirts rather often, and I wouldn't buy them if they were $9, which is probably what they cost to make. It's like... There's something magic that goes into these brands.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, all right, so Richard, if you want to stay right after the confessions, we're going to do the pitches. We've got two pitches today, and I think two of the projects I mentioned will be pitching. So it'll be your first time coming on. You know, It's like a Shark Tank-like pitch, and, um, and uh, I think it'll be good to have you there. Also, I'll DM you the Discord link. Discord is spamming us to try to get you on there. Um, so if you want to... In. I think they'll go. Have, have you guys
0: noticed that, like, every time I join Tone Vase runs away? It's really weird.
1: I know. I, know. I, I try not to bring it up. And, um, you know, I keep reminding people time and time again crypto is a, or trading in general is a zero sum game. You know, in some ways, life is almost like a zero sum game. It's not, but in some ways, it is. Um, so for every dollar you make, someone else lost it. It's just important to keep that in mind. And while everyone, you know, flaunts their wins, um, throughout every bull run and disappears in the bear run people are losing money on the other side and, and and confession and that's why i want that segment the confession segment in every show to remind everyone that while we're talking you know richard talks about his successes peter will talk about his successes i might mention mine and every panelist will talk about some successes they've had for every dollar any of us made someone else lost it now some could afford to lose it big it's not true of, et it's
0: not true tell me so as a thought leader, I like to pride myself on things that I popularize and discover before others. And so, <clears throat> one, trading is net negative, not not net zero, because there's a lot of overhead. A lot of guys staring at screens, blowing their whole lives, destroying their health, destroying their families, and enriching exchanges. And then those exchanges use those mon- that money that they took from the harmed people to go on-ramp new people to harm. So it's, it's massively net negative. And then they also would pollute, you, would you they pollute all on the this, airwaves with advertising as well. So it's not, it's on the, not on just... On this
1: point, that's uh, a good point. Just one, one thing I want to ask you about. What about the positive of, of you know, the, the efficient allocation of capital, which is what it's no, meant
0: to do? No, no, it doesn't, no. You're not smart enough to make good decisions to actually perform that function well. You don't know any of the underlying things that would actually cause that more efficient thing to work out. You're, you're the person that does the opposite and only buys the things that you just heard about and amplifies the reflexivity and the volatility of the uptime, which is why people buy the things near the top because that's the only time they could because that's when they heard about them. You didn't hear about them when they were at the bottom. So so the people that would help make these things less volatile and get the prices to be more accurate long-term are the exact opposite in behavior of people that buy tops and sell bottoms, which is the majority of retail. Retail wants to buy tops and sell bottoms. They prefer it. So now, that's so, that, so the first lesson is that these are not net zero, they're net negative. The second lesson is everything's paper gains and your wins are not someone else's losses unless you're trading. If you're actually just speculating, you can all win together. So when everyone moved to America and left Europe, everyone won. The Europeans got more space, Europeans got more, uh, you know, easier to pass laws because less conflict. The Americans won, we utilized unused space, you know, Like everybody won. So the same thing happens when you create a new superior economic system. So when everyone switches from the totally sucks, totally goes to zero, worst interest rates possible, worst counterparty risk possible, U.S. dollar. And by the way, the rest of the currency is even worse. The euro is down 33% versus the dollar over 15 years. And so if you didn't like the dollar sucking, boy, you'd hate to be in the euro. So... When, when if you sell all the houses at once, the price goes to zero. If you sell the gold at once, the price goes to zero. you sell the stocks at once, they go to zero. And since you live in a world where everything goes to zero if everyone sells at once, the game that you're playing is what goes up the highest, the fastest, and what has the least likelihood of going to zero and staying. And so, you know, Bitcoin dropped 75%. Ethereum dropped 85%. Hex dropped 95%. When they bounce, which one's going to go up the highest? So with this... The, the, the position is, it's like insurance. When you, when you give money to an insurance company, everyone else gives money to an insurance company. You're creating a giant pool of capital that if any person has a problem, they can draw down against it. But as long as you did the measurements right, and people in general don't have accidents at the rate it, that they're putting in, what you end up with is a giant pool of money that gets larger and larger and larger, which helps make up for the accidents people might have. And you can kind of look at a successful cryptocurrency in a similar manner. You've got people that are working jobs, they do savings, their savings stack gets larger over time, they save and save and save and save, that stack gets larger and larger and larger. The price of the thing goes up and up and up. And as long as no individual participant draws it down too hard, everyone gets to be golden forever. So I mean, i bind Bitcoin at 50 cents, now it's 22 grand. All right, well, that's a 44,000 X. Okay, so whose money did I take or jack or Steele, or whatever? You know, and it like it's it doesn't work that way because we're all, it's all paper gains. So your real estate's paper gains, your stocks are paper gains, and your cryptos paper gains. And really, the game that all of us are playing is is everyone going to sell at once? No, okay. And so what runs up the highest? Okay, crypto. And then so stocks drop thirty, crypto drops you know eighty five, fine. But we're we're up you know, that's how we went up six hundred ninety million percent in Bitcoin. Is by being more volatile. Volatility is the price you pay for the world's best performing asset. So,
1: so in terms just, of the, the argument you made, the argument you made of net negative. Um, so, would you say trading? So, I'm not a trader. I never trade, and I'm I'm a shit trader. Would you say trading, trading is okay? Exactly. Investing. So VC like investing. Obviously, not all of it will be net not, not net positive, but you know, it, it is a meant to be efficient allocation of capital. Fail
0: in ninety. Well, no, like VC's ninety percent of their plays lose money. Ten percent has to do better than a ten x for them to win. So basically, your one winner as a VC has to do a hundred x for you to make a ten x because you've got to make up the other nine out of ten losing. And so, if you have one hundred x, well, if you ha- if you get a hundred x on one, and you have nine out of ten lose, then your net is that you are up ten x total after accounting for the losers and the winners. So, like, now, it, it's, it's, as, it's as efficient as we found. So, if we talk about mad gains, the maddest of gains is cryptocurrency. And look, I'm not shilling my bags, right? Like, I'm, I'm very minimally shilling my bags. My thing went up a million percent that. in two years. Okay. A million percent before staking. That's real numbers. Real numbers. You can If you sold a million dollars right now, you'd eat 2% slippage. Real numbers. So, it's like, I think, 2.3. So, but my point is, you should net negative gain. You, there, the thought leader thing, the thing that I discovered that no one else will tell you about is that all of the gains are paper gains. All of your yield at the bank is inflation yields. All of your yield is a Bitcoin miners inflating the Bitcoin supply. All of your yield is an Ethereum miners inflating the Ethereum supply. And, you know, all of your yield uh, staking hacks is from inflating the hex supply. And so since they're all paper gains, then which one runs up the most and is least likely to have everything draw down at once when you might need to sell? And, and the, like the breakthrough, the understanding is that we can all win together. You don't have to, because we all are happy with our paper gains and because we're happy to keep adding to them like we do for our savings across our lifetime, if you're a good, smart human being, your savings stack grows over your lifetime. It doesn't get smaller. And so, therefore, we can all get rich together. It, it, it's, it's possible. It's not net negative. It's not Charlie, even net zero.
1: Charlie, had your hand up. Jump in, man.
2: Yeah, sorry, I wasn't going to jump in. I was just going to slip off, actually. I just wanted... I've got to run, but thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, I appreciate it enjoyed it. the rest, rest yeah. of the conversation.
1: Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do the pitches now. I think is I like the net negative. So I've always talked about the zero-sum game, but I think the argument that Richard made about it being net negative in some cases, net positive in others, if it, it is an efficient allocation of capital, but most trading is net negative, so I agree there, um, is a good argument that I'll make in future shows. Um, KK, I know we've got two pitches to go before wrapping up the show, man. Uh, let's kick it off, and we do have Richard and Tony both on the panel for the, uh, this time around, so I think it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting segment. You there, KK? Oh, fuck, he dropped off. Etihad, how are you guys? Hey, guys. hey.
3: thanks for having us here today.
1: Can you <laughs> hear me okay?
3: Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah we right can guys, so... Cool. So you got, you got you got Richard. I'm not sure if you guys know Richard, been in the space for... Okay, cool. KK's here. But you guys, not only Tony Wu, who's usually on the panel for pitches, but you got Richard as well. Um, so I think, you know, there's a pro and a con. The pro is that you're going to get a pretty big audience, Richard's audience here as well, and one of the biggest guys in the space listening to your pitch. The con is, you know, he's pretty direct if he doesn't like something. Um, but yeah, KK, I'll let you kick it off since you're back, man. And we'll let Etihad pitch.
2: Uh, I'm right here, yeah. Is Richard going to be part of the panel? <laughs> Holy
1: fuck.
2: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: yeah. Man. All right. Okay. So, Etihad, are you with us? Yep. Hi, uh, guys. Thanks for having us here today. And no. no, 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 no. We so, okay, guys, before to... you
1: kick it off, oh, hold on, guys. Hold uh, on. Uh, Prepare the timer, so, Kik. Okay. Yes, you got yeah. 90 seconds, Etihad. A minute and a half timer, 90 seconds.
2: Go. Uh, cool. Mike is all yours.
3: Right. So, uh, we're here to talk about our NFT collection today. So Etihad Airways is the first airline to step into the space in the in the space of web3 with some real-world utility especially in NFTs. So our supply is limited at 2003 NFTs and our artwork is designed around our 787 Boeing 3D models you know featuring the uh, art of Manchester City and the Formula 1 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. So we really take pride in sort of building utility at the core of the collection. And to emphasize more on that, when you purchase the NFT, you instantly get silver status on Etihad. This means that you get uh, access to a business class lounge, priority check-in, extra baggage. And to be honest, you don't even need to fly Etihad to gain and spend these miles. And you can do it on, you know, American Airlines, JetBlue, Lufthansa, Canada, and tens of other airlines. So we're currently about 80% sold out and only 400 NFTs on the supplier remaining. And we'll be closing the sale in about a few hours. I think the host will soon pin our tweet to the Mint link. So just make sure to grab, you know, one of the last few NFTs left. So, um, you know, after the close of the sale, we want to focus on building one of the first decentralized governance systems by a brand. So our holders, our ey01 NFT holders, get to propose extra perks that they want. It could be, you know, potentially limitless. It could be anywhere from first-class priority boarding or guaranteed, you know, inaugural flight tickets, and it could be quite literally anything. And sort of the more NFTs you purchase, the more what. Timer's up,
1: guys. Timer's up. Yeah, KK, your 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 alarm is not as loud as it usually is. All right guys so so essentially the, just one question before we kick it off with Tony Richard what is this in one sentence what is the utility of the NFT just one sentence
3: yes so it gives you the sort of digital membership pass that you can uh, trade and it gives you the perks such as, you know, lounge access and it, stuff I like it. that. So I, I, yeah.
1: I travel on an almost weekly basis. I'm an Emirates guy because I'm in Dubai. Uh, so the yeah. utility makes sense. I think I think the question that, that Tony, Tony and Richard, other than regulation, will be, you know, why a blockchain? But maybe that's where the hype is. Tony, do you want to kick it off? And obviously, Richard, you can unmute anytime with any questions.
3: My question is... Uh, Actually, Richard, I think you're probably going to ask the exact same question. On a tax level, how do you guys account for that?
0: Uh, I'm going to avoid that. It's t- I'm too crypto to want to ask a question that lame. But yeah, I hear you. I mean, like, look, like, so I Googled it. Like, it's hard, uh, if I'm even saying it right, it's lounge access is 25 to 75 bucks a visit. Uh, apparently, if you go to, like, their most expensive one I found, like, it's 200 bucks or 125 or something. It's just like, I, if if you have found a way to arbitrage lounge access, fine. I'm okay with that, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I have mean, a feeling what's more likely is that you're just going to exit scam and not actually be able to fulfill the thing that you need to. Because if you're selling the NFT once, but then you've got lifetime costs from the... Uh,
5: did everyone just got muted? Or- yeah, it looks like everybody got muted.
2: Yeah, I think Mario just... Uh- um, you don't. Yep.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not pressing it. It glitches by itself. But yeah, from a taxation perspective, have you guys uh, considered that, uh, Richard? We're trying to bring you up. Twitter's just glitching. But go ahead, guys.
5: Sorry, did you say from tax perspective?
1: Yeah, from a tax perspective, and then sticking to. So Richard made another concern. Like hey, I know you guys are. You know, it isn't officially backed by Etihad. We verified this because they tweeted it from their account. Um, verified it with them. So I'm not too worried. Richard's point about utility and being an exit scam, you know, they've got too much to lose reputationally when it's in. Yeah. The- I mean, when it comes
5: to the reputation, uh, it's not just the lounge access that we're actually providing. Like I know that Eddie uh, had the NFT account who's pitching. They didn't get to talk about the NFT tier and what I've got in the roadmap. So what's, you know, I know that the silver tier status is, it is a good utility, but it might not be something that's long-term and something that may be worth the money. What's really worth the money and what, uh, what's worth the NFT is the NFT tier that we're making after this. And it's a decentralized governance system. I think it's one of the first ones by a brand. And it means that everybody who holds an NFT will actually be able to propose things to Etihad that they want within the NFT tier. So say they want an extra benefit within the club. They want something extra that they want they want when flying Etihad. They can propose that to us. And then all the NFT holders will use the NFT as a voting right to then uh, vote collectively and say yes or no to that benefit over all the ones. Okay, that's interesting. So essentially
1: use the NFT as a way to vote for utility?
0: Can 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 I just say, can I say that like an NFT actually being associated to a real company is statistically improbable beyond all belief, like extremely rare. If it is the case that this is the first time, I have no problem with companies allowing access to stuff by using NFTs. That seems just wonderful, you know, like go ahead. You, you already use a digital system to, to allow people to access your thing or not, and now you're just slapping a JPEG on it. I don't see the problem with it.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it's more the fact that it's you know it, it correlates to the community a lot better. So if somebody, say, for example, Etihad was to make an, a normal loyalty system, what they would be doing is they'd be selecting a focus group of people to actually sort of decide on what the utilities will be within the separate tiers. Now, what we can actually do is we can get the people who would actually be flying Etihad and actually use the NFT and be flying with Etihad all the time to essentially get them to vote instead of using a focus group, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I think that, oh, look, that's that to be honest, uh, yeah, and, and the, look, most NFT projects launch pictures and then try to build up utility on top of them. Um in this case, you know, you're, you're trying to have a reason for having an NFT, which is, you know, allowing voting rights, which is like, you know, a, you know, a step in the right direction. And at least you're launching with a utility and maybe adding pictures afterwards. You know, I've seen projects launched with a utility with a purpose. Hey, you get the NFT to have access to X, Y, Z, to SaaS softwares, whatever it is. And then the pictures are just a representation of it if you want to add an identity to it. So for me, I think it's a... Like when I looked at, just FYI, I'm going to give you a bit of critical feedback, and I'm going to be honest. I think you're underrated as a project for this particular reason. Your Twitter, the link to the website, the website, etc. Our team almost rejected you guys coming on just because they're like, "Mario doesn't look like it's backed by Etihad. It looks like a scam." So just in in a from a presentation perspective, I think it's not doing you guys enough justice. Not enough press around it, um, because you're you know you're above most other NFTs that we've seen or that you know ping us to come on the show. So that's a, you know, it's a plus. Richard also made the point that, hey, why not have an NFT? At least, you know, there's a reason to have it. Um, and Richard is just so you know, guys. He's generally very critical of NFTs, and he was part of the debate. Yeah, this is ago. this is the
0: closest you'll ever see me to being like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's to be
1: honest, to be honest, like Richard, the, the the organizer of the show, he's like Mario. Like, you sure you put Richard on, on on the panel? Like, you know, what's gonna happen to the projects? I'm not gonna be too happy. But I I replied to 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 Romeo. I'm like, I think it's gonna go well because I think he's gonna. Because we've had this discussion before, so uh, you know I'm playing with fire. But I think Richard, you you, you I don't see a problem. See... With it.
0: I mean, look, man, if you if you have a nightclub and you're just like, yo, if you have this NFT, you can come in. Seems legit, you know. Exactly. Okay. You know, Not if you exa- got if you got extra spots in your little place where people sit down in the airport, and you want to, you know, you could give them to people yeah. who wear pink shirts. Yeah. You can give it to people that have the thing that you want. Like that seems. Um, fine. I think. I think the thing with the with the NFT
5: tier is, say we 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 propose a benefit to somebody that there's it goes outside the normal traditional loyalty system route. So say for example, what we're thinking of doing in the future is actually adding sponsorship f- efforts of Etihad into the tier. So it doesn't constrain within the normal Etihad Airways experience. We can actually then add on, say for example, something to do with Manchester City. An offer to do with them, or we can go to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and add offers to do with them as well. and it really expands the possibilities that you can do within the loyalty program and it makes it a lot more seem- seamless as well.
0: I, th- I think every- I think everyone would be totally cool with all of these kind of projects if people just didn't overpay for the stuff. Like, I think the biggest problem is not the projects. I think it's the speculators that film with them usually. Well, which, are, you know?
1: which are pretty which are pretty dead now. Like the NFT volume collapse, and we're seeing like the when you have real utility and utility that can be quantified, then prices are relate to that utility. But when you have just promises and a picture, which, again, I'm not against. It's just much harder to price. That's where speculators come in. Like It's hard to speculate with this access card because you can see the value you can see what you can go on the website see what the price is but can it's agree. much harder to value much harder to value a picture with grandiose promises which again i don't want to shit on them but i just i have concerns with.
0: i i agree with you bro 100 yeah. percent
5: and another thing to point out is the fact that you know we're not we aren't on that sort of hype trend, and really, we don't believe in it either. We take zero percent royalties for that exact reason. We're not wanting people to flip it and trade it for that reason, you know. I we would like want zero percent royalties. We we want a trustworthy base of people who want to stay with Etihad and believe in the community, and it, it just seems so much better to us. Sorry, Alec, I like I I should introduce myself here. I'm Marvin oh, from R Cube. is the company running it for Etihad, the collection. So yeah. Yeah, I, I, the so only I the the thing
0: a, I might—the only thing I might mention is—I wouldn't be surprised if one day these NFTs did lose their rights, just like people that bought online movies. They—if you bought movies from like PlayStation—they just canceled all your movies. They don't even care. They're like, yeah, you know, the movies you buy, you can't watch them anymore. It's over. Good point. Good point. Like when, then,
1: when, with with those centralized companies, you remember when I think I can't remember which airlines it was, Richard. They to raise money decades ago, they created a unlimited access to first class for one fee of like 200, 300 K. And then uh, I don't know if you've heard the story read the story and then people bought it, abused the fuck out of it. And it's unlimited it's forever, but they were desperate for money and people are still using it today. And the, the American, airline tried to I cancel
2: it. it. Yeah, American airlines. Yeah.
0: yeah. I read the story about the guy that abused it and he should have had it terminated. Like he was, he was being, he was being unfair to the company, truthfully um and the other thing i would say is like i in, in general companies really don't care what you have to say at all and usually the customers suggestions suck so like i wouldn't i wouldn't put too much faith in them really caring about like you either have this nft or you don't you're probably going to get treated the same as the normal comments box if they even have a comments box anymore yeah used to be businesses with a little box where you could put suggestions i haven't even seen one of those in a long time
5: I I think actually to better answer your questions if we have time sorry to say uh Simon should be here from Etihad the the head of marketing for, global head of marketing for Etihad if you have any more questions for him I don't know is he's he
1: speaking. is he actually is he actually is Simon there
5: Yeah he should be requesting to speak if he's not already
1: Oh, nice. I can't see. If I see it, it will be good to get. I want to ask him a question. Yeah, like, yeah, at Tihad, yeah. Like, what does the board think of this? But we'll go to the next pitch. I think it was a great pitch, guys. Um, oh, the pitch was actually pretty mediocre, but the project is pretty cool. Um, I would have actually asked you guys to give us some NFTs to come on, but I'm an Emirates guy. I almost never fly Hat because I'm in Dubai, and Abu Dhabi. But uh, yeah, like, good luck, guys. And, and it was a good pitch. So we've just put a poll up for everyone in the audience. This is the first of two pitches. Uh, check the poll and vote whether you like the project or not. Fuck, 89% love it, which is well above the, the threshold to be good, which is 80%. So congrats, guys. Um, everyone else, if you want to participate in the giveaways on Discord, you have to vote because when you when you win the prize, we have to see proof that you've voted as well. So check the pinned tweet above. It's on my profile and above to vote. And the giveaways are being announced on Discord. Um, next pitch, KK, second and final pitch, man. Kirill, fuck, it, I drop you out again? Right, I'll do the second pitch while KK tries to come up. So we got, um, is the second pitch up yet, Romy? Open Games, are you there, guys? Open Game Builders? Hello, guys. Hey, man, so that's going to be an interesting one. That's for the museum. So it's going to be a really interesting one. Um, I'd love you to articulate, so you got 90 seconds. I'd love you to articulate it very clearly and very well because that's a very, it, it's a, it's a, I think it's exciting but it's harder to to understand the utility of it so i'll let you guys speak you got 90 seconds and i'll run the timer uh since kk is not here mike is yours go ahead
4: okay thank you my name is mauro i'm the CEO and the founder of open game builder a company from spain we are making the fifth platform in the world a uh, budget for games on real asset connected with uh, esports. sports um, we have two MVPs right now. We have one uh, game fighter, one versus one, like Mortal Kombat, for example, uh, connected with eSports. And we have the second uh, MVPs, the Quantum Collection Metaverse. We are making the, the first collection in the world. We have the most complete collection from fossils, minerals, and meteorites.
1: Uh, go ahead. Sorry, I Jason. mean, like, uh, I, think,
4: I think, like,
0: I speak Spanish, but it's pretty hard to understand you, bro. True true. So like no, I mean, I, everyone wants to pretend that they like understand what you're saying. But I think half the people don't really understand what you're saying just cuz of the language barrier cuz you got a, you know, a strong Spanish accent. It sounds like you're trying to stick companies on the blockchain and then you go to the company and you're like, "Hey man, your fans like stuff, what do they like your cars?" All right, let's let's stick your cars on the blockchain and see if they can get get them to buy a token." I think I think that's like an okay business that a lot of people do i mean it's like merchandising right like oh you like star wars let's see if we can get kids to buy star wars lunch boxes and socks and underwear and shoes and hats and gloves and you know you just shove the logo on every imaginable thing i guess it's an okay business model i guess it doesn't really need to have any utility by and large i think the metaverse sucks it doesn't really exist you're just looking at pictures Um on your screen I'm a, I'm a big fan of the metaverse.
1: I think that, that we discussed that before. Like, I just think we're living in a metaverse already, just not that immersive yet. Um, but, but it was a discussion. So open games hey, before I, we I continue. just was
0: in virtual reality today, killing my friend in the head with arrows. Like, I like virtual reality.
1: Yeah, but,
0: so know, my shoulders but hurt from shooting him in the head with arrows.
1: But this is it. Like, this is just a, a Web2 version of the metaverse without the concept of ownership. And I think, like, open games, what you guys are doing is leveraging NFTs Um, but Richard, like you don't, do you think moving those experiences that we have in the physical world to the digital world?
0: It's okay. You go to elementary school and you ask kids, you're like, Hey kids, what do you want to do? I want to make video games. And then you give them a computer and you're like, okay, kids go make video games and they all suck. And so, you know, in the real world, it's extremely hard to make a good video game. It's extremely hard to make good art. It's extremely hard to make good music. And so any, any of these appeals to, like, we're going to make something good, by and large, they probably will not. It will probably fail. And so maybe these guys have a history of already doing good stuff. I would find it highly unlikely. Because, like, if you can make good stuff, you just launch it on the same platforms that all the other multi-billion-dollar companies launch their stuff. So you would put it on uh, whatever Meta's stupid headset thing is or HTC's headset thing. And then that's it. And you'd have a million times the audience. Maybe you'd only have a hundred thousand times the audience, but you'd have a hundred thousand times the audience. You'd probably have 10,000 or a hundred thousand times the revenue. And so like just being like, ah, you know, screw the largest possible imaginable market with devices that could actually use this stuff. Let's, let's cut off our legs and just launch it to the crypto nerds. You know, like it's, it's silly. So like I, you know, I was addicted to games for 10 years. I have a pretty high bar for the kind of game I prefer to play, which is currently none because I kicked the habit. But, you know, if I hadn't kicked the habit, I don't think a blockchain game would be what I'd
4: play, you know? Yeah, good. like from an, yes. from. from I agree. Can, can I answer to, to Richard one question? Um, of course, I, I, yes, speak slowly, I'm, slowly, bro, just for, for your yes. own good, you yeah, go ahead. Yes, I'm a professional uh, eSport player. And we not are making the games by um, ourselves in the company in Spain. We have more than 500 people working for us in Pakistan and Dubai with a uh, game store studio uh, um, company, like partner of us. And um, they have a lot of win-win conditions on Google Play, for example. They have a lot of games. Even we have a pre-alpha of one game. And I invite you, if you if you play games a lot of time, I invite you to to play and test the game, and then we can go more deep. If you don't like, it, but it's, it, it is little. possible to make a good game. It's just hard. Most
0: most people fail. You know, like if if you yeah, go to uh, everything is going if, if you're an outlier, it's just everyone when they come in these short interactions says they're an outlier, and you're like, well,
4: it's improbable. You know? Yes, but we have to try. You know, it's like. If the big big companies are not entering the in the in the blockchain because the normal gamers hate the word blockchain or NFT, but if you change the mind of the people and you make a transition of these esports professional players and the gaming scene into a platform easy to play like a Steam, for example, that that is what we are making uh, on Phantom Foundation with the support of the of the net. So it's more easy to bring more people and make the transition for the future. So we are building in the worst scenario possible and thinking in the future, because people have to play and people go to enter in the blockchain. So you have to get the vision.
1: I'm a fan of it. Like Tony had to jump off this space because uh, I was chatting to we have a, He has a call that started 16 I, minutes I ago. Wanna,
0: that, I want to jump off just because I don't want to hear people's random pitches. I'd rather them yeah, buy we, coins that go up 100x than any of this other stuff. Yeah, Look, we're, even we're if the even if this stuff you're doing is awesome, it's like, yeah, but they could have took that same money and bought something that's going to go up 100x. I'd rather to see them make life-changing wealth, you know?
1: I, I, you know, you can't say some of those projects pitching can't be the next hundred, two hundred thousand 200,000x. You just don't know which one it is going to be, you know, Axie was pitching to raise money back then. Decentraland pitched to me, and I said no, uh, which I know you don't—you might not believe in them till this day—but they had incredible returns. So um, I, I, you know, kind of giving props for the pitches. Um, and I think you know you didn't—you know—you didn't—you didn't shit on them either. I think like for you not to shit on, yeah, sh- on a pitch. I mean, was a pretty good job vetting them, but um, it's
0: true. I uh, I usually savage them, and this is the least <laughs> yeah. savagey I've ever been.
1: I, I know, man. Like I, I wish you could see my WhatsApp group. You know, the internal, the guys behind the scenes running the show. If you could see their chats, <laughs> they're gonna crucify me for, for getting on the panel. But it worked out pretty well. I think both pitches are good. good. <laughs> it did, man. Um, all right, the second pitch is great. Anyone that wants to put, uh, to to vote, you have to for the giveaway. That was the final pitch. It's hey. pinned above.
0: Mario. You know, Richard, can we, yeah, can we get everyone here to go play with their free coins on the test net so they don't get wrecked yeah. on the real net? Go use your free coins on the test net, guys. That's it. They don't even know what I'm talking about. Go on pulsechain.com yeah, and use your free coins. Play around with them. Hey, you want to know a game that's on the blockchain right now? It's the most awesome game on the blockchain right now. It's free. You can't lose money. It's called Go Play With Your Free Test Net Coins on pulsechain.com. It's a copy of all your Ethereum coins and all of your weird tokens that you like. From like six months ago. They're sitting there. Go play with them.
1: Uh, Richard, one final question to you, man. Market conditions. Uh, we ask you this question every time you come on the show. You still bearish, You still think we'll help? Grayscale. We'll help,
0: uh, Grayscale. 33% you discount. Like- You're not getting a sustained bull run until it goes away. That's it. Until the Grayscale 33% discount goes away which is a free 50% more money if it just went back to parity, a free like 70% more money if it traded its normal 20% premium, you're not getting a sustained bull run until that goes away, in my opinion. I, I don't think anybody is so stupid in Wall Street to be just like, oh, I could have a, a free 70% profit by buying this thing that's totally actually secured provably. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Like, I think you're going to keep getting downside. Now, Richard, and and did we do yourself. our historic 85% dump? No, we did. Are the guy, are the yeah. NFT guys what's still how, here? What's still What was the... the bottom of the bear is when the NFT guys finally give up pitching, and when everyone is like, "Yeah, we give up. This stuff's uh, dead." I,
1: I, I'll tell you this. So two things. First, what Bitcoin? How much did it correct? Did we didn't hit eighty five percent? What was it? 70? five. Seventy five. 75. 75. It doesn't mean you have to hit eighty five, but I get. You so you
0: think that you think that, but there's actually a really big difference between seventy five and eighty five, and so this is another one of these thought leader things where I got to teach everyone the way to see this. When I tell you that Bitcoin dropped 75, Ethereum dropped 85, Hex dropped 95, I make them look all similar. But I can do the opposite of that as well. And they're both true. So I'm going to do the opposite for you. When something drops 75, you've got 25 left. When something drops 85, you've only got 15 left. The difference between 15 and 25 is like an extra 50%. When something drops 95 instead of 85, you've only got 5 left instead of 15. That's an extra 3x that you have to go to make up the difference, that's an extra 66% dump. And so while 85 and 95 sound quite similar, in reality, you're left with 5 instead of 15. The 85 is three times better than the 95. And, and so what you have to do... Thing... Go ahead, sorry. So you have to invert... You have, what you have to do is you have to look at the inverse and then reason about the inverse. Now, it's still very useful to think that they're small because usually they're going to dump more if it has product market fit. Overcomes a three x very easily, at least you know in Hex's terms historically. So, but it's it's important to show these things accurately, right? Like I could frame it in the big way or the small way. You might as well just know that both exist, so you don't get any caught in any cognitive traps. You know, you're aware of both.
1: And then there's the other argument that, and I say this to a lot of people, and people that bought Luna when it dropped ninety five percent. What they don't understand is if something drops ninety five percent. It doesn't mean it can't drop another ninety five percent and another ninety five percent.
0: No, that Max, was a weird look, one. That that had a reflexive of property of inflating supply on the way down that the vast majority insane. of coins do not have. The vast majority of alts just die ninety five and stay at ninety five until they pump again, like Doge. If they have product market fit. If they're straight scams, they, they just go to zero.
1: Exactly. Second. exactly. That's the point I'm making. So so scams, so so when you're sitting on your bags and you think, I was talking to a bunch of NFT guys earlier. Again, I love the NFT community. But I was talking to one of their investors. And they're like, yeah, we're just waiting for the market to pick up and get my bags to pump. I'm just telling them like a small percentage of projects will do extremely well in the next bull run. Again, my product market fit. But the ones that don't have product market fit or shitty team or shitty founder, if they drop 95%, it doesn't mean they'll pump in the bull market. They'll drop another 95 another 95% until zero. So uh, just a reminder. Well, yeah, like is, holding is a animal- scam
0: longer just gets you wrecked more. Then exactly. I cannot express – it's like look at the metrics, right? Are you on-ramping new users? Is the sales pitch remaining the same? Do you, do you have a durable moat or walled garden? You know, is, are, the, are the fundamentals getting better? And I think for a lot of these things, like, so for instance, okay, what was the first NFT project? Crypto kitties. Okay. Yep. Well, if I, truthfully, I don't know how well they did and I don't know how wrecked they are now. And I think it would be very useful to know that if you're trying to predict how wrecked the stuff is now versus how it could be. And, and then the, how likely it would be to maybe get back again in the future. You know, I, I think that, it would be useful to know that I, I i also think that you have opportunity costs like even if you even even if you buy some thing that goes up is it the thing that is going to go up the most you know so i'm i'm about the mad gains not the medium gains the mad gains
1: yeah but the the more you're aiming for those ba- uh, big gains the the riskier it is cuz you you know you can just buy blue chips and and you know, be happy with with a few x's but if you're looking for the next 1000x it's going to be a bunch of them going to zero before you land a thousand X. So uh, it's you know it's, it is a, a
0: tricky maybe, balance. Maybe the recipe is to go with founders that have a history of doing thousand X and ten thousand X stuff. Maybe I don't know, but I am Gary, biased because I did a ten thousand X. So
1: <laughs> congratulations uh, uh, for that, Gary. I know you have a hand up, man, and good to have you.
0: Yeah,
6: love love the show. Love it when you have Richard on. Really appreciate that, Richard. Uh, you know, th- thank you very much for hacks. I'm really excited about Pulse, all that good jazz. Just wanted to come up on stage real quick. And uh, slight correction: the first NFT uh, project out there, pre uh, pre crypto prunk NFT, is uh, it's the ENS. F- no, oh, no, nope. yeah, yeah, e- I forgot. ENS, Ethereum Name Service, which uh, I know I know Richard's not the, the biggest fan of, but uh, I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, but, but is, uh, you know, the, the smart contract for the .eth names is uh, completely, you know, without admin keys on the blockchain. And if you, you know, the only uh, thing you got to worry about is your name expiring and the only uh, uh, attack vectors if, you know, the DAO was attacked and the prices did increase. But yeah, just, you know, get, get your uh, Web3 username domains. I uh, could, you know, learn more about your ENS. I dream. got a, first, we did a, we did MSP a segment,
1: project. Gary, we did a segment on ENS domains a few weeks ago. I actually bought oh. a three digit ENS domain live. So, right. um, but I don't like, like Richard, what's the, what's the other so, side? Like, what sure. Do you have- so,
0: sure. Okay. So you have smart contract risk. When you just have someone send to an address, you don't have any smart contract risk. You generated the address. You have your own entropy. You're not worried about some centralized entity jacking it. Now, okay. What if I go? To the people that are the country of Ethiopia, and I negotiate with them to take over the .eth domain. And now the dum-dums that go and type your .eth right, like uh, Vitalik.eth, they go type it into the URL. Now they're gonna go to a website I control. Is that a good idea? Should we be training our users that they should be typing in .eth things in the browser? There's a totally different mechanism by which it operates than any other actual top-layer domain name because Ethiopia owns ETH and Ethereum and nothing associated with it does. Which is why you don't go and type uh, hashtag ETH on Twitter and see an Ethereum logo. You see an Ethiopia logo for a year. Now I think it expired. They didn't renew it. But you're not going to see an Ethereum one because Ethiopia owns it. So I don't like the counterparty risk. I don't like someone else getting rich selling something that I own. Okay? So let's let's say I own richardhart.com. And now someone registers richardhart.eth. Oh, now they're squatting my name that I built the brand for, that I invented. They're violating my rights. I have to beg some company to assign me my URL. I don't like any of that. I don't like someone else getting rich on my name. And what happens now if I, at one time, did control the stupid thing, which doesn't even work when you paste it in a browser and has smart contract risk? But let's say magically that I did own it for a little while and I lose my keys or I get hacked. Now, what do I do? Now the hackers get paid on that forever. Because instead of doing the smart thing, the intelligent thing, the thing that we all invented from the first place, which is, you know people's name and number by social consensus, and then you send to it, sometimes with a test transaction and then a verification to make sure that there was no man in the middle attacks, Uh, sometimes not. But like, cryptocurrency was invented to get rid of counterparties, and this is an entity that's getting rich as a counterparty. Cryptocurrency was invented to remove middlemen, this is a middleman, and it trains people to do the wrong thing. And, and I hate everything about it. And in addition to that, one of the founders about that villainizes and demonizes me for reasons I don't really understand. So I, I don't like anything about it. And, and you don't like... It, it just, it, it seems terrible to me. Why, why, are, why is someone else getting rich on squatting this new fake TLD, which isn't even TLD? It disgusts me. It makes no sense.
6: Yeah, Richard, you, you, bring up, you bring up a lot of good points and a lot of those same points that you're leading about this, you could say about Twitter, you could say about Web2 protocols. What it comes down to is that, you know, you bring up a lot of like really, you know, really valid concerns. Some of those valid concerns are, uh, have been addressed. Some of those valid concerns are in the process of being addressed. And if people do things incorrectly, then then there's no helping, no helping them. Because if somebody does get their wallet hacked, then yeah, th- maybe they lose their NFTs, maybe they lose their blockchain identity, their ENS name. They also lose you know all the coins in that wallet and, and a lot of other situations like that. With, what it comes down to is that the the human readable, uh, blockchain based naming layer, uh, you know, uh, ENS protocol, is out there in a way. Uh, that has um, you know no there, there, there is a token but there's no VCS it's built on builders it's uh, out there that is the the most decentralized uh, human readable naming system that's allowing people to uh, create identities and uh, to, to add on a human uh, um, you know readable layer and it does add it's true it does add a layer of uh, uh, of you know like uh, um, a, a layer, a layer of things to know a layer of risk in the middle. If, if things, you know, it, it can be seen as being safer is just using, you know, the, you know, someone's IP address as opposed to, you know, using their domain name. But, uh, you know, I mean, with some, some of the problems like the dot ETH, the ENS believes in a responsible naming space. So the only decentralized naming uh, is the dot ETH that is, you know, uh, taken out of the DNS space. And at the same time, it's forward compatible with ICANN, uh, which means that other people can play. But in terms of the, the blockchain-based people, Web3 people, you know, and, and I'm also not a big fan. You, you mentioned a lot of points in there, Richard. I'm also not a fan of the squatters. The squatters aren't fun, and it's it's not cool when we're squatting on the names. And what I is once you do secure your name, once you do secure your name and you secure your, your crypto and your NFTs properly, then that name is yours. And then you have an identity, and then uh, you know if you if you follow best practices, it just gives you a, a layer of opportunity. And even though there are legitimate risks that Richard because, and I can talk about. I,
0: well, I gotta tell you, for, for a guy representing something I hate, I like you. You seem great. <laughs> like you know, you, you seem you don't. You took every concern I had and addressed it, and realized it was there, and maybe agreed with some. And like, look, I understand security convenience trade offs. I think people should be allowed to make them. Um, and, and I try to, like, there's so many things we build in Hex, people don't realize, you know, all these things out there like Uniswap, you have to authorize it, the contract to, to spend your funds. You have to authorize the Uniswap's contract to spend your funds. And God forbid you authorize a fake one, a proxied one, and then they change it, and now you just lose all your funds. And so that, that design mechanism of having people authorize contracts to do things is actually a terrible thing to train your users to do. And so what we do in our system is there is no authorizing a contract to do anything ever at all. And so if you go to remove all the permissions imaginable, it doesn't harm your experience with Hex at all, because we use message sender every single time as the verification method. And we never use a contract to do things on your behalf and empty you. And so training users with superior design parameters and and superior behaviors is, is like the best we can do to help stupid people make good decisions. So well,
6: let me give you one one cool security feature that the ENS names have is that the ENS names have two uh, sort of uh, re- uh, Ethereum address records. One of those records is the uh, owner of the address, and then the second record is uh, the controller of the address. And so the name that owns the NFT is not the same address that has the ability to to make updates to that record. So the the, the address that you're using to update the records and connect to things. If that gets hacked, just because they, they theoretically could change the fields and, you know, the, the data fields and the ENS name, they would not be able to change control. So there's a lot of... Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. What happens with Pulsechain? Uh, what, what happens with Pulsechain? Or, or fast forward to well, what you
0: so you, know, so you know Pulsechain.com is a full fork exactly. of the Ethereum yep, system I know, state. I
6: know exactly. Yeah, what's going to happen right. so there's going be a duplicate of all the ENS tokens. There's going to be a duplicate copy of all the ENS blockchain domain names. And just like everything else, like, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. So is happening. it going to break
0: or is it going to work?
6: Do you, no, do you have to, a decentralized
0: no, IPFS front end or
6: no, it was, is it all uh, kind
0: of fake DeFi centralized? or
6: No, everyone, everyone's going to choose which contract that people look to is the ultimate source of truth, you know, for things. And they may bridge, you know, some things like ERC20 tokens are going to bridge over and they're all going to become ubiquitous. And other things like the board apes and NFT projects and ENS names. You know, you know, ENS is more of a protocol than it is an NFT project. It's a protocol. It's you know, top of the stack development layer of like you know, blockchain naming and and, and identity. I don't want to get into that. But yeah, people are going to have to choose. You know, uh, Well, I mean, well, so what it like sounds
0: like, what it what sounds like to me to is that it it's going to work fine. It, it. So let me let me take a let me take a stab at it because I'm I'm literally. I usually have everything figured out. I do not have this figured out. I'm, I'm figuring this out with you right now because you know more about ENS than I do. It sounds like, or my gut feeling is, the, the majority of places people actually use ENS is in MetaMask. And if MetaMask didn't handle the .eth suffix the way that you wanted them to and point to the contract you wanted them to, it wouldn't work at all. And so in actuality, the centralization part of making ENS work is begging MetaMask to say, hey, when someone types .eth at the end, can you please point to this contract, which we consider to be authoritative, pretty please? And so, so as long... I could push and-
6: back on that a little bit because what's going to happen is that there's going to be a standard with Ethereum called the EIP-4361, which is going to be assigned okay. with Ethereum standard. And then everyone, when they when they come to blockchain, instead of all their devs figuring out, oh man, how do I do this thing where I connect with MetaMask and I like connect with the wallet, there's going to be a standard which is the uh-huh. IP four three six one. No, but
0: but I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to dog you on this one no 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 that, me neither. Me like, this so is long this long is like minimal that, that this is the minimum abstraction. Like everyone's using MetaMask, you have to beg MetaMask to do stuff. Like it that's it, okay. So my so my point is like if that is the case, that really the only reason ENS works is because MetaMask lets it work with a setting in their no, code that says not. I'm saying that's not
6: the case. I'm saying, no, but, I'm saying that
0: but it is now like before that AIP rolls out. It is now, right? But that's what, good. How, but th- listen, that's see, this current system makes Pulse Chain run better, is what I'm saying. Because I think what will happen is if you just change the network you're on, MetaMask still thinks that Pulse Chain is actually uh, Ethereum. It's just another fork of it, and therefore I think that people's .eth domains on Pulse Chain will still point to that contract, which is also deployed on Pulse Chain. So I, I think it will just work. I, I don't think it's going to break. I think ENS yes. will work on Pulse Chain.
6: I I, I by default 99. right now. Yeah, you I, can test
0: it right now. I think it works. percent guess. Like
6: I'm yeah, ninety okay. nine percent sure that it not only works but like. Uh, well, that's nice. ENS, ENS is blockchain compatible you know, cross blockchain compatible blockchain technology, and ENS yeah. will work on Pulse Chain. And what I'm what I'm saying no. is that let it be Pulse Chain because you understand a lot of stuff.
0: Or, a lot of stuff will not work on Pulse Chain if it's fake DeFi. And requires you to beg somebody to change something somewhere, right? Like, like Compound and, and like their liquidation bots, they need to be told, hey, go liquidate on this chain. And like their front ends need to be told, hey, go, go look at this chain too. And so the fake DeFi stuff, or at least, you know, not totally. I like the stuff that just works, right? Like Uniswap just works. X just works it seems like ENS is just going to work. I, I like stuff that when you do an honest fork, that it just works. So,
6: so when you say, when you say it just works, there's two different things that meaning it just works. There's one thing where the smart contracts are going to continue to run on the pulse, like fork right. of the system. Yeah. And then But at the same time that uh, the fork obviously creates a fork, not just, you know, into a new pulse chain chain, but also then the, uh, yeah, the but you, users decide, S- users exactly, decide what
0: network. Exactly, they're on. Like, exactly. you know, you're, 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 yeah. So as long like
6: so, so there's two different universes and the users builds. decide
0: which one's authoritative.
6: and in and, and, and devs, users and devs. Uh, two different decisions sure. that get get a say. And so and, my and, that and that MetaMask.
0: Affects, <laughs> MetaMask <laughs> could break either of these at will.
6: Uh yeah. Well I mean there's I mean there, there's the Ethereum standards and the EIPs and how that goes, because then no. it breaks everybody. But MetaMask breaking would like, then break everybody who wants to play with MetaMask. So MetaMask would hurt himself if they Look, did that. But, wait,
0: MetaMask also- banned one of my URLs once. Yeah. So literally anyone that had MetaMask installed, when they would go to one of my URLs, I think I think it was PulseX or PulseChain, I don't remember which, they just, they just like, they banned it. And you're like, hey, guys, uh, why'd you do that? Oops. And then they unbanned it, but you're like, oh, the ugly head of centralization has popped up here. Unfortunate, you know.
6: Yeah, it's a zero-day <clears> attack. Once, once they did that, they showed everybody that they could do that. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of, like, pseudo defi is being shown you know as we're seeing with tornado cash and things like that and some people are wondering yep. where's the difference between a back end smart contract and a front end interface. Yep. I, I digress. When pulse chain hey, you know launches I, I like you
0: dude. Who are you? What do you do again? <laughs> you seem smart. You're fun to talk to. Uh,
6: well, I uh, have a marketing technology business with my wife ada.eth uh, All uh right. it's unfolded life. We we just launched web3domains.com. We're we're really into uh ethereum and web3 and pulse chain and cool. we're, we're both right. like old school hexers like day day uh three hexers day one and two wasn't very smart but day, day they i, I three told, three, told three. everybody day, i day told them did. well yeah, yeah we listened to you because thank you man. i mean i i yeah I, it was just like when, when everyone says one thing and i you know and i, I just like validating things and i couldn't find proof of what people were saying and then so yeah, I, I took a risk and that risk paid off for people, me. People don't I realize, don't realize how many
0: smart hexagons there are, man. There's geniuses up in our joint, dude. Like, I, I love hexagons. I had yeah, no true. idea you were a hexagon. Like, that's. Yeah, neither awesome. neither like, me. So,
1: Gary, you were, you were in the ENS section as well a few weeks ago. So, I appreciate coming back. I didn't know you're the guy behind Web3 domains and I didn't know you're a, a hex.
6: What is it? A hexagon? Hexagon. Hexagon. So, that's. Uh, I'm 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 in, I'm everything DeFi, I'm everything Web3. I love Ethereum, I love Pulse Chain, I love Hacks, I love the Board Apes, I love ENF. You should EF. have been should have been
1: on the with No the, you should have been on the show No, no, not that one. They should have been on the show with uh, Richard um, and, and Bitcoin is debate. It's probably the biggest show we've had, you know, seventy five thousand.
6: was in the room. Yeah. I was, I was yeah, I wish you, I wish you went
1: that. up I wish you went up and spoke, man, because you're pretty well spoken. Um, but yeah, Please I'll let you, i let you hit up if, Richard privately and yeah, uh, I just I, want I, to give I'm, you a,
6: I'm in, we, we, Richard and I have DMS together on telegram. If he, if he checks his telegram for Gary Palmer jr, I'm, tell, I'm Gary Palmer jr. That's oh shit. Yeah. I, yeah
0: uh, I recognize that name. You have yeah, like a I, PFP I, of a monkey, I think.
6: Yeah. Some people dig it and, uh, and, and I dig it and yeah, well, listen, I, I, again, I, I, uh, have, have been nothing but helped by Richard and Richard's free book and richard's community which is uh partly my community and on the ethereum side of things my hope is that everybody looks into ens domains and secures their decentralized uh you know dot eth name because all, although uh you know like if, if you if you want more privacy maybe you have an address with no ens name but if you do want a public identity once you secure your public identity with your dot eth name then you can add your i, I can read i don't have it set up this way right now but once pulse chain comes out i'll be able to receive pulse Tokens with my ENS name, I'll be, real, be able to receive Bitcoin. So, anything. Gary, quick
1: question. Great. Quick question, man. Can you? What, what do you think about the three? Uh, I, I, I need to end this discussion, but I'm curious. The three-digit flex, three-digit which is the one I bought on the show a few
6: a few weeks ago. Um, Some people might think it's stupid, but sc- scarcity is 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 really cool, and people like scarcity. And there's a huge network effect on both the number of people purchasing ENS names and the number of uh, apps and DApps that are Uh, integrating login.xyz in the Web3 protocol. And so as ENS becomes more popular and, you know, we just hit 2 million names in eight days, we just added on uh, uh, 0.1, 100,000 new names, or a lot of names, a lot of uh, apps, uh, dApps, adding on, signing with Ethereum. So that's creating this network effect. And the numbers are only going to increase with the decentralized, you know, version. There's only a thousand of those names. And then, what's more, is that everyone needs to realize it doesn't matter if it's a an emoji, a number, or a word. Every 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 word um, every letter put together into a word is a symbol. You know, it's all every symbol is a meme, and every meme has value. And so, therefore, every number has value. There's only a thousand of them, and there's only ten thousand four digits, and there's only hundred thousand. You know, or not you know ninety thousand five digits. You know what I mean? So forth. So sc- scarcity is cool, and and uh, ENS memes are NFTs with real Utility. It's not just an NFT. It's a protocol.
1: Pixelodon, I know Yo, you saw you on you, you wanted to speak, man?
5: It, yeah, I was gonna say I got some emoji, three emoji domains, and yeah, that's crazy. Or the, the Emoji and, domains. Yeah, I love them. I just love them. I don't know. I keep uh, staking them and uh, stacking these, you know, uh, these um, emoji domains and NFTs. Or maybe also I got some three letters domains, and I, I, ju- I just Keep them. I, I will see you. Maybe something happens. You know, these, these yes. are really rare.
4: It's uh, kind of the collection
5: uh, inside the collection. You know, it's a collection shoot. inside the collection. So it's very cool like. that people make uh, special websites where you can, you, you can track these domains because on OpenSea it's really impossible. And yeah, it's a huge, huge movement.
6: And if you're yeah, on your Brave yeah. browser, if you're on your Brave browser, you can go to garypalmerjr.eth and then I'll ask you if it's okay to use in Fira. And then I'll redirect you to my IPFS website. Do you,
1: do you want to know something funny, Richard? Uh, we talked about um, jewelry in the last discussion about NFTs. Um, and you talked about your diamond. Did you hear about the Tiffany pendant they made just for people that own a punk? And they make your punk mm, into a, They only made I 100. And, so Tiffany made pendants purely for punk owners. They only did like a couple of hundred of them. It was like mm. 30 or 50K a pop. So that was, was the first time I personally ever buy jewelry cuz just cuz I felt like it it you know kind of web3 related and it was a good flex but
0: uh, maybe if you if you got a <laughs> <laughs> No Richard I'm me, looking me, at a picture of one on right now dude and it looks real not good
6: No Richard, <laughs> yeah, Richard, I don't know. <laughs> Richard let, let me let me try pitching this to Richard this is what you get you first of all somebody owns a cryptopunk and it's a it's a unique design. And then they get to not only get that um, they get a, t- a real physical uh, limited edition of 250, you know, gold jewelry, diamond uh, pendant uh-huh. like a physical thing. And they get the NFT. And now, Richard, they have a set. So when they they can now sell the Tiffany's jewelry and someone will be like, not, not only do I want the pendant, but I want the original punk that goes with it. And it now adds value, like all three things together create like a new level of value for that clock
0: yeah let me let me let me do you what some some verbal difficult? combattery here real quick hey people are stupid enough to oprah pay for bad art now they're stupid enough to pay for the same thing digitally even more <laughs> <laughs> we fucking reloaded them twice <laughs> 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 okay oh, well
1: it was, it was a good I way mean, to like, end it, the segment it's it's it, if the damn th-
0: Art were cooler, it would be more legit. You know what I mean? No,
1: so I'll tell you, I'll tell you. No, Rich, I'll, I didn't, we didn't add this. So they, it starts with a pendant, but they're building it into, they're going to add more utilities to it because it rep, it's represented by an NFT. So it could
2: give I'm gonna, you exclusive I'm going to copy every Tiffany one events. of
0: these things from my NFT. When my NFT comes yeah. out, I'm going to do all of these silly things too. And then I'll be more friendly towards them.
1: You should. And you should do like, you, you know, try to do exclusive drops for like a punk or an ape community. Um, and then you start adding utility to it. Like you do a, you do an event, they get exclusive access to it, or they get exclusive access to a drop that you're doing, whatever it is. So that's what Tiffany's doing, adding more utilities to it. And uh, yeah, welcome to the dark How side, do you man. feel
0: about exclusive access to a 95% <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, X-drop Richard, ninety-five percent dump? Extra ninety-five.
1: Richard, anyway. pleasure to have you, bro, man. It as it was a good segment, I hope you enjoyed it as well.
0: Thank you, guys. Thanks. Right. It's been, it's been no, awesome, no. really. Thank you.